Psalm 148, uh, starting from verse 1. So that can be found on page 633. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you again. And uh, before I forget, greetings from Goldstone Church to you all. I read recently that there's a fine line between a long, drawn-out sermon and a hostage situation. So um, I'll try and avoid both scenarios this evening. Uh, Let's start with a prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Open our minds and to understand your words and open our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Morecambe and Wise were one of the most successful comedy double acts, especially in the 1970s and early 80s. I couldn't find a video clip on YouTube of them, but I believe that in one of their sketches, Eric is at the piano and he plays this. Um, And Ernie comes up to him and says, what are you playing? And Eric says, I'm playing my new composition. Ernie says, that's just two notes. What are you talking about? He said, uh, Eric replies, uh, my music brings meaning to the world of music. Ernie says, what are you talking about? He said, well, my composition, says Eric, without my composition... This other tune wouldn't make sense. Thank you very much. Without wishing to be flippant or disrespectful, the last five Psalms of the book of Psalms is equivalent to... These five psalms are a fitting final crescendo 
to the book of Israel's praises, as the, books of, as the book of Psalms was called by the Israelites. As a group, these five Psalms are called the Hallelujah Psalms. Why? Because, well, we heard earlier, because each Psalm starts and ends with the Hebrew word Hallelujah, what our church Bible translates as Praise the Lord. In Psalm 148, the word praise is also mentioned 11 other times, which indicates that praise is the major focus in this psalm. But this raises a question. What exactly is praise? A few years ago, uh, Ruth and I were in a church where the pastor regularly used the phrase praise and worship. But this was just another of those churchy phrases that some people use. Because what the pastor was really saying was, let's sing together. And for this pastor, praise meant fast songs and worship meant slow songs. But that can't be what the words praise and worship really mean. In the New Testament, when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4:23, Jesus said, True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Clearly, the worship that Jesus is referring to is not just about music or singing. This truthful and authentic worship involves every part of our personality. With this larger view of worship, praise is seen as a part of our wider worshipping lifestyle. Psalm 100 verse 4 provides a further aspect of worship. The psalmist encourages God's people to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to God and praise his name. Clearly, there is a difference between giving thanks to God and praising God. And as I've been reflecting on these and other Bible passages, I've begun to realize that this larger view of authentic worship has at least three characteristics. Firstly, there is the characteristic of thanksgiving. This is where we say thank you to God for what he has done. We thank God for his activity. For example, we thank God for the life and the breath and the strength that, we has, that he has given us to be here this evening. By contrast, praise is where we declare who God is, not what he has done. With praise, we assert and we proclaim God's character, his personhood. We are stating publicly the nature of the person that we are here to honor. The third characteristic of authentic worship I call adoration. This is where we express our deep and our personal and our intimate relationship that we have with God. This is a, a two-way, heart-to-heart connection 
where human words are sometimes optional. So as we look at Psalm 148 this evening, it is clear that this psalm is a psalm of praise. These words are a declaration of who God is. So let's unpack these verses. It'll help if you have the passage in front of you. And firstly, we see the portrait of praise. In contrast to the other four hallelujah psalms, one of the features of Psalm 148 is the number of times that creation is mentioned. You get the feeling that the psalmist has just read the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1 and he has been inspired into praise. Effectively, the majority of Psalm 148 is a praise summary of our creator God. The psalmist paints a picture. He is setting the scene for praise. And the first part of this picture is the celestial praise. In verse 1 to 4, the psalmist summarizes what God formed on days 1 to 4 of creation. Let me list some of them quickly. We have the, the heavens, the heights, the heavenly hosts, the sun, moon and stars, the highest heavens, And the waters above the skies. These are the life sustainers of God's creation. God created them. And just by being there, they are declaring an attribute of God. They are proclaiming who God is. He is the creator God. They are praising God. The second part of this scene of praise is the terrestrial praise. If verse 1 to 4 indicates the life sustainers of God's creation, then verses 7 to 12 focus on the life receivers within God's creation. In these verses, the psalmist summarizes what God formed on days 5 and 6 of creation. We have sea creatures, weather patterns, trees and vegetation, wild animals, domesticated animals, kings and leaders, and finally, ordinary people of all ages, just like you and me. God created them, and just by being there, they are declaring who God is. They are praising God. A week or so ago, I was walking along the seafront on the promenade down uh, in Hove. And in the early morning silence, the waves unexpectedly crashed and boomed across the water. And as the echo faded, I realized that praise had welcomed the new morning. King David puts it this way in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. 
their words to the ends of the world. Today, whoever we are, we are part of God's created portrait of praise. We are not an accident. We are part of a vast orchestra of praise. The portrait of praise. And secondly, we see the person to praise. Another characteristic of Psalm 148 is that it has a chorus, a repeated phrase or a tagline. Okay, so to be exact, there are two variations of a chorus. Verse 5 and 6 is one chorus variation, and verse 13 is the other. But note that each chorus starts with the same phrase. Let them praise the name of the Lord. These words are important because they indicate who the praise is to be directed towards. In other words, this celestial praise and this terrestrial praise is not aimless. This praise is to be focused on Almighty God, on Yahweh. Several years ago, uh, Ruth and I and our daughter Esther had a holiday in Canada, which included driving through the Rocky Mountains from Vancouver to Calgary. And at the risk of stating the obvious, the scenery was spectacular. There was one occasion when, on one side of the road, the hillside went straight up to a beautiful snow-capped mountain. And from the back seat, Esther said, Oh, wow! And on the other side of the road, there was a beautiful, crystal clear a blue lake. And from the back seat, Esther said again, oh wow. And then she added, too many wows. As we read Psalm 148, you get the impression that the psalmist has a too many wows moment as he looks around at God's wonderful creation. But at the same time, as we focus on this wonderful creation, these verses reveal three aspects of God's character. The first aspect is that God is omniscient. If anyone doesn't know what omniscient means, and I confess, I had to look it up and double check, The dictionary defines omniscient as unlimited knowledge of all things. In other words, God knows about, well, everything. Verse 6 says that God established creation forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. At the risk of sounding obvious, for God to have created the universe... He must know about everything. And the Bible repeats and reinforces this one fact. God has unlimited knowledge of all things. He is omniscient. The second characteristic is God is omnipotent. Again, this might be an unfamiliar word. The dictionary defines it as being infinite in power with unlimited authority. The second half of verse 5 says that at God's command, 
they were created. Again, no one can create the universe unless they have the power and the authority to do the work. Or to put it another way, the proof that God has infinite power is the universe in which we live. God is infinite in power with unlimited authority. He is omnipotent. And the third characteristic is that God is omnipresent. The dictionary defines this word as being present everywhere and at the same time. Second half of verse 13. It says that God's splendor is above the earth and the heavens. The Hebrew word translated above actually means above and beyond. In other words, God's splendor, God's presence is above the earth and the heavens. It is below the earth and the heavens and it is within the earth and the heavens. God is present everywhere and at the same time. I don't know about you, but I think we need to pause for a second and allow these truths to sink in. The God that we worship here this evening is omniscient. He has unlimited knowledge of all things, including our personal situations. The God that we worship here this evening is omnipotent. He is infinite in power with unlimited authority, so he is able to act in our personal situations. And the God that we worship here this evening is omnipresent. So he's present everywhere and at the same time. And so he is with us here right now. The portrait of praise, the person to praise, and lastly, our participation in praise. Because God has provided the scenery and the portrait for praise, and because God has revealed some of his personal qualities that makes him worthy of praise, because of all this, it shouldn't really be a surprise that God invites and encourages his people to join the worldwide anthem of praise. Verse 14. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart, praise the Lord. Just some quick comments. Firstly, praise is our response to what God has done. We respond in praise because of two things. Firstly, we respond in praise because of God's sacrifice. Verse 14 says that God has raised up his people. This phrase is echoing what Jesus did in John 12:32, that he would be lifted up as in being lifted up on a cross. As Christians, we respond in praise because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. For our sins. And we respond in praise because of God's salvation. Verse 14 says that God has raised up for his people a horn. It's interesting that um, uh, Psalm 18 verse 2. King David describes God 
as the horn of my salvation. And in the New Testament, in Luke 1.69, Zechariah prophesied about Jesus, describing Jesus as the horn of salvation. In all these passages, the horn is a symbol of strength. In other words, it is a strong and a complete salvation that we find in Jesus. As Christians, we respond in praise because of the strong and complete salvation that we have received in Jesus. Secondly, we participate in praise because praise affirms our relationship with God. The second part of verse 14 says, The praise of all his faithful servants, the people close to his heart. The Hebrew word translated close means family, kinship. This highlights the intimate, personal relationship that God seeks with his people. As Christians, we respond in praise because through what Jesus has done on the cross at Calvary, we are made right with God and we can live in a personal, loving relationship with him. And thirdly, praise is requested by God from his people. As I said earlier, Psalm 148 starts and ends with the Hebrew word hallelujah, which our church Bible translates as praise the Lord. But sadly, this translation misses the request and the urging in this word. Hallelujah is not a passive word. Hallelujah is pushing and nudging for a congregation to join together in praise towards God. As Christians, we respond in praise because God is urging us and encouraging us to praise him. Praise is our response to what God has done. Praise affirms our personal relationship with God. And as God's people, praise is requested from us. God is seeking our participation in this worldwide, in this universe-wide anthem of praise. The portrait of praise, the person to praise, our participation in praise. Reverend William Sangster was a, a Methodist minister in the last century. But sadly, because of progressive muscular atrophy, he began to lose his voice and his mobility. Apparently, when Reverend Sangster understood that the end was near, instead of slowing down, he increased his efforts and threw himself into writing and praying. Sadly, Sangster's voice eventually failed completely and his legs became useless. On Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he shakily wrote a letter to his daughter. He said, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, He is risen. But he said, it would be even more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. 
Someone has described Psalm 148 as creation's song of praise. And I agree. Creation is singing out its praises to their creator with every fiber of its being. As a result of God's love for him, the psalmist is also bursting with praise. And with a full heart, he calls the whole created world to praise God. And he calls the whole of humankind to praise God as well. Tonight, as Christians, as God's chosen people and dearly loved, the challenge to us is straightforward. Will we lift up our hearts afresh and praise the God of creation? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you that you are even more than we can describe and understand and fathom. Thank you for your beautiful creation and that it shouts out its praises to you each day. Help us, O oh Lord, to do the same, to speak out your praises to you, the maker and creator of the universe and our wonderful saviour. Lord, help us this week to live our lives wholeheartedly for you so that the world will see you living in us and working through us. And we will give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.